Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Heavenly Father, you've given us a strong word in this gospel reading today, but a word nonetheless that comes from you, indeed comes straight from your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Break open our hearts, Lord, and let us hear. Give us ears, Lord, so that we may understand what is it that you're saying in this passage? And what are you telling us, your servants who in faith trust Jesus for what he has done upon the cross for us? Give us new spirits, Lord. Fill us up with that Holy Spirit that you have promised. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. When I began this week, I did not expect it to involve a landmark decision ending the federal mandated abortion on demand. But it could not have come at a more providential time, nay, even a more poetic time. On the feast of John the Baptist's birth, on his nativity. Now, the Lord God, of course, is maker of all things. We just confess that in the Creed. And that includes poetry. Yes, poetry. If you don't believe me, then read the Psalms. Hear the song of Moses. The song of the Virgin Mary at her Annunciation. Inspired prophecies of the prophets like Isaiah, who in many times writes poetically. Our God is a poet, and he knows it. Now, our Lord, the poet, he writes not only a love poem to us, but a song for us to sing. He has written the music of our salvation through the pain of the cross and through the resurrection of his son. He is the composer. He is the conductor. He is the orchestra who plays a crescendo of our redemption song. And we sit as the audience then we ask ourselves whether we should take up an instrument and play. Perhaps we should climb upon the stage and we should add to the Lord's symphony. But to add a note to a piece that we have not written would only ruin the whole orchestra, take away from the whole symphony, distract and detract from the gift of music that the Lord is pouring out and is giving over to us. What I'm telling you, Christian, is that you cannot add unto your salvation. You did not purchase your own freedom from slavery to sin. You were redeemed. You were brought to Him. And you were brought to the Lord God Almighty when you were bought at the price of Christ crucified. So now... You belong to a new master. You belong to your maker who made you for a good, for a godly, and for a great purpose. To love him, to serve him, to till the fields of his harvest. For he has done the work. He has written the song. And we are the notes that are playing in our lives. Being played by the Lord God to Come together as the church, as the body of Christ, in a wonderful symphony of salvation. 
Now, the absolute power of Jesus being crucified is highlighted today in today's gospel lesson from Luke 9. We can find that Christ has set his face towards Jerusalem. Set his face towards Jerusalem. And he knows what is going to happen in Jerusalem. He is our Lord. He is the Son of God and the Son of Man. And absolutely nothing, nothing, and no one can deviate him from his purpose. His sole purpose, his whole reason for becoming incarnated and becoming man and taking on flesh to save sinners through his death. That's why God became man. His disciples can't steer him away. Others along the road can't take him from his purpose. And even the people of Samaria refuse to participate in hindering him from his destiny. For the scripture records in verse 53 that they will not provide a place for him to stay the night. For his face is set towards Jerusalem. Our Lord is getting to Jerusalem. And he's getting there quickly and without delay. And he tells his disciples plainly that to follow him. To follow our Lord Jesus on the way will cost them everything. It will cost them everything. While in Samaria, Jesus speaks to several would-be disciples. And he speaks to us today to count the cost before following him. Have you counted the cost of following Christ? Paul warns us, in today's reading from Galatians 5.19, that it means ending the deadly works of the flesh. It requires fleeing from sexual immorality, from impurity, from sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Paul with a dot, dot, dot. That if the sin that you struggle with has not been named, it is there. Because Paul, like our Lord Jesus, makes it clear in verse 21. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. For the law condemns us in our sin. That perfect holiness of God, who God is by nature, has given us a holy law. For it's not his law that is the problem, but it is our hearts. We are the problem. And the law exposes and condemns us for our sin. It opposes us and it's a barrier separating us from the Holy One because our sins are the barrier. Our death is the barrier from life itself. Yet, in the ridiculous mercy of Almighty God, He covers up a multitude of sins and He saves us to go and sin no more by dwelling within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He covers us with the Son's righteousness and then He equips us. He doesn't leave us as we were, thank God, but He saves us, redeems us, covers us up, with himself, with his righteousness, and then equips us with a mighty spirit 
that mighty Holy Spirit of God that hovered above the waters of creation and thereby turning us from treacherous traitors to satisfactory servants. Servants in the house of the Lord forever. Have you counted the cost of being his disciple? Have you listened to the words of our Lord to his would-be servants in the gospel lesson today? The first person claims, I will follow you wherever you go. I will follow you wherever you go. And Christ meets his enthusiasm with the reality that the master is homeless. And so shall his disciples be if they follow him. For truly in this world, we are homeless. If you follow Christ, then you are a stranger in a strange land. We are still in exile yet awaiting the completion of Christ's exodus when heaven conquers earth, just as Joshua conquers the promised land. And the true Joshua, the true Yeshua, Jesus our Lord, is coming again. In the meantime, we live as strangers in a strange land, in a world that opposes and is even hostile to our Lord, to the Messiah. Are you willing to be homeless with him? Now, the second would-be disciple, he doesn't reach out to Christ, but instead Jesus calls out to him and beckons him, just as he beckons the original twelve, by saying, follow me. Follow me. Unlike the other twelve, however, this man asks, let me go and bury my father. A request that seems honorable, seems with merit, seems good, but then our Lord shocks him and shocks us. And tells them, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. For the hour is short and draws nearer now than before. For the return of our king and judgment upon the earth. The hour is short for us too. For our Savior draws nearer and nearer. The dead, they are gone to meet their maker to meet their judgment. But we, we who are living are left behind to announce, proclaim, and go forth with good news to the spiritually dead. To tell the spiritually dead that life itself has died for you to give us true life. So will you heed the call to tend to the Lord's fields, to reap the Lord's harvest, Or is he going to find us tearing, lazily busy with our own affairs, with our own matters, tied up with the important matters of the world, and unfruitful with the good work that he began in you by his Holy Spirit that he's given over in faith? Now the third potential disciple, he seeks Jesus, and he promises him, calls out, I will follow you, Lord. A good start. But then he says, but let me first say farewell to those at my own home. And that but is a long-sounding difference between serving the king and his kingdom and being outside of it. Even Elijah, in the reading from the Old Testament, made his farewell to his family permanent and irrevocable. For Elijah goes And he slaughters his cattle, his very livelihood, and then goes after Elijah and the kingdom. 
my question is, what is the but Lord that you have in your life? Perhaps it is sin that you're allowing to maintain a foothold. That you're not struggling with. You're not praying to conquer through the power of the spirit that lives within you. Are you perhaps seeking yourself, your own desires, your own wants over the will of your king? Are you saying to the Lord, I will follow you, but instead of being a humble and obedient servant and rejoicing, yes, my Lord and my king, you have redeemed me. What is it that I should go and do? How can I serve in the house of the Lord forever? Christian, has Christ called you? Called you to serve him in some capacity? Laid something upon your heart, upon your mind, but you're ignoring his call so that you can set your own desires, set your own agenda, prioritize your own to-do list, Don't ignore the call of Christ upon you. The service that he wants you to walk in faithfully. He has called you to set your face with him towards Jerusalem. Join him. Because Paul cries out in Galatians, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. I've told you. The Lord has called out that He wants everything about you. Not some of you. Not splitting you up. Not dividing you like a house that can never stand. He wants all of you. And He will be all in all. Because the desires of the flesh, says Paul are against the Spirit, and the desire of the Spirit are against the flesh. There's hostility between the natural man and between the new man, Christ Jesus our Lord. So Christian, following Christ is a life in the Spirit. It evidences itself by our love for our God, our worship of Him, our obedience to His call upon our lives, of our love pouring over and over into our neighbor. And obedience to God, obedience to the living God, is freedom. Obedience to God is freedom, true freedom. But serving our flesh is slavery to that deceitfulness, to that lie of sin, and to that liar upon all liars, Satan. For Paul tells us, if you are led by the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Because the way you live your life in the Spirit is living through the fruit of the Spirit. Being able to be servants of the one who fulfilled the law, Christ Jesus our Lord. But following Jesus will cost you everything. Because to follow him is to be united to him and his will. Join your master. Let the Spirit live and guide you. Struggle to let the Spirit live within you and to guide you. And then you will truly bear that fruit of the Spirit, of the love that comes not from us, but from our God, of the joy, which is not our own human joy that is fleeting, but true joy, of peace, which surpasses all understanding, of patience, which is patience, 
with all those we deal with. Kindness to even the unkind. Goodness to the wicked one. Faithfulness to those who are always faithless and let us down. Gentleness when we wish to give a harsh rebuke and anger. And self-control, which is not at all what we wish to do as people of the old flesh who wish to go out of control, to fill our own selves. But that is not the way of Christ. It's not the way of our Lord. For the law, the law cannot condemn the life that is in the Spirit, but the law will condemn life that's in the flesh. But life in the Spirit enlivens us, for the Spirit of God dwells within you. Even unites us to our Lord Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the law for us. Unites us so close that our Lord tells us that we are part of his own body as the church, as people of faith, enlivened by the Spirit of God. And to walk that walk, to walk in the Spirit, is to follow Christ to Jerusalem. And we know what happens in Jerusalem. We go with him to Jerusalem because we crucify our own flesh to his. He crucified our flesh when he bore it upon his own flesh in the cross. And when we join with him in faith, he has crucified our own sin. And by doing so, by crucifying ourselves to Christ and Christ alone, we may now live the resurrected life today. We don't have to wait. We can live the resurrected life today because the power of the Holy Spirit is upon us. It's not our own doing. It is his doing. He continues to play the symphony. And the crescendo rises as he pours out his spirit upon young and old, upon male and female, upon Jew and Greek. So are you willing to forsake everything for Jesus Christ? Count the cost. Cling upon him and him alone. Embrace the sinless one who embraces us sinners and cleanses us far and wide. And hear that call, the calls, it's coming from the good shepherd who carries his staff seeking his lost sheep. Hear his voice, lost sheep, and as he calls you and finds you, be obedient and follow him. Because he will lead you to the still waters, to comfort. He will pour in you the fruit of his very own spirit. He goes before us in our darkest valley. But as for friends, they will fail you. Family? They'll forsake you. Church members will desert you. Co-workers will mock you. But Christ calls you. And his call is an unbreakable love for you. Paul tells us, for freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Cast off the costs of this flesh and be united to the crucified Christ. Die to yourself and live the life of Christ's loving spirit. Desperately love your Lord by trusting and having great confidence in what he has done for us and done for sinners and it's continuing to do in you through his spirit. And rise up each morning and crucify your spirit again and be united to the one who was pierced for our transgression and who has poured out his spirit abundantly upon us to live in perfect freedom in Christ. Father, 
pierce our hearts as your son was physically pierced upon the cross. And empty us from our bloodstained sins so that we may be filled by your spirit. Holy Spirit, fill your people and enliven us, dead from our trespasses, to now walk in faithfulness to bear your fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one.